Well, hey there. It's uh, episode number eight of Somewhat Bland Substance Podcast. What's going on? My name's Scott Mitchell. Thanks so much for tuning in here once again this week. Uh, coming up on the show, something that's trending on Twitter this morning that I want to talk about is the CERB. The $2,000 a month that the federal government is giving to those who are unemployed due to COVID-19, who are temporarily laid off, who didn't really have a choice. There's a, a certain tweet that I want to address that's come out this morning. We'll talk about that on the way. Also, a little bit later on in the show, we're going to have another edition of Still the Number One. I'll be joined with my buddy Tim Gavin of The Tim Gavin Show. We'll take a look back at 1980 and more specifically in the UK instead of the uh, billboard charts here this week. We will touch a little bit more on that. And there's a lot going on in the world in terms of things reopening and some social distancing restrictions being eased up just a little bit. And there was a bit of an incident in Toronto this past weekend that we're going to talk about. That's all on the way. First, though, we're now more than a week into the reopening of the economy here in Alberta. Of course, on the 14th, most of the province was allowed to open up barbershops, hair salons, restaurants up to 50%. And if the restaurants were opening, they couldn't have bar service. Everything has to go right to the table, which is totally fine. Uh, Retail was allowed to open back up. Calgary and Brooks weren't allowed to have the barbershops and hair salons until today. The restaurants uh, as well today, however, they were allowed to reopen some retail back with the rest of the province. And next Monday, they're looking at opening day camps with restrictions. Post-secondary will be able to offer summer classes with caps on participants and funeral services and places of worship could expand capacity. I don't know if we were ready. Last week, I was chatting a little bit on the podcast saying that, yeah, we're open. We've been open for a few days Things seem to be going well, but then over the course of the last week or so, I've noticed just an increase in traffic here, specifically in Lanclabiche, where I am, as if things were back to normal. And quite frankly, you know, they're not 100% back to normal, but you drive down our main street and you certainly see a lot more vehicles than what there were. And I get it. I totally understand. People want to get out. We've been cooped up. We've been self-isolating and social distancing for over two months now. And people want to get out and do things, especially with it being nicer outside, right? I was at a couple of places this past weekend. And both places I was at, it was if the social distancing measures didn't exist anymore. Basically, there were people that were still right behind you in the lineup, despite there being signs everywhere like stay the two meters, the six feet away. But no, they insisted because things were reopening and that the restrictions were getting eased up a little bit. They thought that those restrictions just were not there anymore. And I almost got into an argument with somebody over it, but I decided to hold back because I wasn't willing to deal with the COVID yet that day. But just because we are easing things up, a little bit and little by little does not mean this is over with. This is still considered a pandemic. This is not something that we should be taken lightly. And there's still many experts and health professionals who have said that despite the fact that things are being eased up a little bit, we still need to abide by these restrictions. And people 
are still refusing to listen. I don't know what it's going to take. I have a feeling that here specifically in like Labish and the county as well, where we have zero cases. We've never had a case of COVID-19 in our region. I think all it's going to take is one and then everyone is probably going to freak out. And by then, there's probably also going to be a lot of people who have been exposed to it because somebody didn't know that they had COVID until a few days later when they started showing symptoms. And they were probably out and about at a few places. So that is why the social distancing measures are still in effect. Restrictions ease, of course, a little bit on outdoor gatherings. But even Dr. Dina Hinshaw, the chief medical officer of health, said that we need to still have, you know, two meters between families that don't live in the same household as each other. And, you know, we could start having cohort families and stuff like that. I've been hanging out with some friends here and there as well, still trying to do as much distancing as we possibly can. Sometimes you can't necessarily do it if you're, say, at a restaurant. I went to a restaurant a few days ago, actually, just because they had been closed for a while. I wanted to support a business who I hadn't been able to support in a couple months. And I will be going out to some of the other ones as well, if I can, here over the next few weeks, just to give them a little bit of support because they are going to need it, right? Uh, Especially because they do have a couple of months of being closed to make up for. And about half of the tables were taken out in said place because they have to be at 50% capacity and we were still sitting around the same table as our friends but still like not right in each other's faces like we kept it at a minimum as to how many people were at said table it's not like we were going to pull over another table and treat it like the good old days but definitely uh, needed to just go to a familiar place And see familiar faces who I hadn't necessarily seen in a couple of months. And just enjoy their company, enjoy a beverage, enjoy some great food. And just have one of those nights out where you could kind of forget a little bit about what's going on in the world. While still abiding by the guidelines. It's not hard. Moving on to a tweet that I had seen. I don't even want to say the guy's name. Basically, here's the quote. I'm hiring like crazy right now. Lots of great talent out there. Sadly, there is obviously a whole sub-segment of the population that has no interest in working. Government needs to end hashtag CERB now. So the CERB is the $2,000 a month, just to clarify that the federal government is paying those who have been laid off due to COVID-19. Everybody who was laid off after March 15th who had applied for EI as well, were automatically moved over to this CERB stream. Let me get this straight. He's suggesting that people don't want to work because they're making more under CERB. Maybe that's more of a reflection on him as an employer. I noticed he lives in Vancouver, which it's not cheap to live in Vancouver. We all know that. It's no secret. And if he's saying that people would rather get the CERB than work for him, that must mean that they're not making that much money. They're not making more than the $2,000 a month. And I think that maybe goes to show that he's not paying people a living wage. And let's be honest here. I'm sure nobody or close to nobody who got laid off asked to get laid off. 
that's not how this whole thing was supposed to work with the serb. In fact, uh, it would have to be listed on the ROE that they have a shortage of work due to COVID-19. Because if it said that they quit or whatever, and it was their decision, they would not technically be eligible for that $2,000 a month. And they will have to pay that back come tax time next year. So it's not like people were wanting this to happen. In fact, employers were not necessarily wanting to have to lay off their employees either, but business decisions are business decisions, and there's still the case of keeping your business afloat, right? And it's not easy to necessarily get the money from the government in terms of the small business loans and the wage subsidy, etc., etc., I've been told it's not black and white. I've also been told by somebody locally here that they know of someone else who applied for the $40,000 one-time loan that's interest-free for a year, you know, to help keep the lights on and stuff like that from the feds. And they got the money pretty much within a few days, whereas the person I was talking to, I think, applied before the other business, and they're still waiting on it. So it's not as easy as what people think. With the CERB, yes, it's fairly simple that you answer the questions and it gets put right into your bank account. On the business side, it's a little bit more difficult, and I'm sure they're looking into what exactly is the qualification for each business and as to if they're actually down a 30% or whatever. So it's not that simple, but yet people think it is. And maybe for this guy who made this tweet, it is. But for other businesses, it's not. And for some of us who have been temporarily laid off, and it's not easy to find another job right now because there are a lot of places that are on a hiring and spending freeze... We're just playing the waiting game, so we need money like the the CERB, the $2,000 a month, to help get us by. Going back to my original point, though, this is more of a reflection on him as an employer than it is on the government for trying to help out their people in this extraordinary time of need. Right before we get to another edition of Still the Number One, we're going to get to that coming up in just a few short minutes want to chat about this. Uh, There's a new poll out that shows that only about half of those who regularly went to restaurants, went to the gym, or traveled are going to feel comfortable doing so once they're allowed to. In the same boat, about uh, just over 40% of those who went to concerts and movies, theaters, or sporting events at least monthly before the pandemic started said they'd do so in the next few weeks if they could. And responses varied dramatically depending on political affiliations as well. This poll in particular was done by the Associated Press down in the States. And basically it was that Republicans are far more likely than Democrats to go to restaurants, movies, concerts, or theaters, travel, or go to a gym or fitness studio. And it's anywhere in the 60% zone for Republicans and then from 28 to 44% for Democrats. Personally, I'm going to be a little bit hesitant to go to things like a gym when they reopen, even though I'm like desperately missing it and I need to get back to the gym. And I said that if they do reopen, I'd go. It still would be with a little bit of hesitation. 
And specifically because you're supposed to wipe down equipment at the gym. And for whatever reason, people are stubborn and they think that it takes three hours of their time to clean the equipment they were just using. When in reality, it takes maybe all of 10 seconds and they don't do it. They weren't doing it before the pandemic hit. And I'm guessing there will be a big segment of the population who were going to the gym before all this happened who still will not do it once things reopen. I think we all just need to have a mutual agreement to just do that and maybe publicly shame the people that don't. <laughs> would that be, uh, would that get people doing it? Maybe. Just maybe. All right, we're going to cut away for another edition of Still the Number One. My buddy Tim Gavin going to be joining me from the Tim Gavin Show coming up here. Also, after we do Still the Number One, restrictions have been a little bit relaxed in terms of what people can do in Ontario as well. And there was a bit of a, an instance that's happened recently that... I want to chat about that's on the way as well. Social media comments that have been getting made by certain people who still think that this thing is a hoax. I know I've ranted about the people who complain about the media trying to make this mass hysteria. Well, now the latest comments that seem to be circulating more often is about sheep. We'll chat about that coming up on Somewhat Bland Substance. Still the number one this week. Joining me once again, we have my buddy Scott Mitchell, but we are going to be doing things a little bit different. Instead of looking at a singles chart for North America, we're going to be going over to the UK album charts. Just completely changing things up. Yeah, you're completely throwing me for a bone here, especially because I was looking at the wrong chart for like most of the day today. So uh, this should be interesting. I think it will be. And we're going to kind of go over to the Billboard charts later on in a little bit too. But I figure, especially because I'm talking about New Wave on my own podcast right now, and it happens around the late 70s, early 80s. What better album chart to look than over at the UK in 1980? See what was popular with everyone. Especially because the new wave uh, started earlier over in the UK than it did in the US. So I, I briefly took a look at the Billboard 200 chart. Uh, and like you said, we'll touch base on that a little bit. I noticed the difference between the two charts is kind of astronomical in the sense that there isn't as much new wave on this week back in 1980 in the U.S. than there is already going in the U.K. Plus, U.S. New Wave and U.K. New Wave, it, it's a little bit different. I find with the U.S. stuff, it's definitely more classic rock leaning. It is, and uh, I think you see a lot of um, that type of idea in U.S. New Wave, and just like the 80s in general was pretty rock leaning in terms of the charts in the U.S. anyway, so... Uh, a lot of the artists that you see that would have made their name known in New Wave in the U.S. would have definitely been more rock than anything. Definitely. And that's another surprise that I'm seeing over on this U.K. chart. Number one right now. <laughs> Oni M with their greatest hits album. Yeah, The Magic of Boney M, which I... Would you classify that as a New Wave? Absolutely not. No, no. Boney M is... Definitely disco and R&B. But still, this was the early 80s. And and I get that, like, in New Wave, 
there was still those hints of disco and R&B and stuff within it and it kind of paved the way for the new wave to come around but it was new wave was more of a combination of everything and I think you start to see it as you get further down this chart actually absolutely I think another reason why this Greatest Hits package was so popular at the time, because it was the first time that you saw Christmas music from Boney M. I was looking through the track listing, and Mary's Boy Child, Oh My Lord, made its first appearance on that. And then the Christmas album came out the next year. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen it before. But I mean, you look at the rest of the the album, and you can totally see... Uh, the big songs that they had, you know, Rivers of Babylon, uh, Rasputin, of course, has to be on there. Uh, you mentioned Mary's Boy Child's on there as well. You have Daddy Cool on there. And yeah, it's uh, no doubt that this was up to number one. And these charts are looking super diverse right now because you have Michael Jackson off the wall. He's just starting to get big here. You have Genesis, Black Sabbath with Heaven and Hell, their first album with Dio. <laughs> you got Susie Quattro on there, The Police. Uh, you you start to see a little bit more of uh, the new wave get in, like even a little bit with Madness uh, was in at number nine this week with One Step Beyond. Uh, and then you get more into like the Pretenders and stuff further down, whereas you and it, this is where the difference came in once again that I was mentioning between the UK and the US is in the in North America artists like the pretenders were more of a, a, a big rock group instead of being and and not heavy rock but a big rock group nonetheless instead of being considered under that new wave per se but you still kind of see some of those new wave bands kind of popping up the police are on here twice with uh, regatta de blanc and man i i, I hope i'm saying this right Orlando's d'amour i i don't know like they have they have weird I, I, you're close you're close yeah Let's be honest, their most normal album title was Synchronicity. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but even like you've got The Cure in at number 20 with 17 seconds. Um, you still see a little bit of The Rock kicking in further down the chart. You got Iron Maiden with their self-titled album uh, at 23. Um, and then there's even some artists that never made it big in North America that you're seeing on this chart. Yeah, it is. It is a weird mix over here, too. And just looking through here, Wheels of Steel, Saxon, which unless you're like a super like heavy metal head, most people don't know who Saxon is. Even see Dr. Hook on here. Peter Green is on here, too, which is really cool. Um, if you've never heard of Peter Green, he was the original Fleetwood Mac lead singer. Yeah, uh, we also had, uh, you know, uh, up at number 32, it actually dropped uh, this week down five spots. Uh, OMD, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, uh, with their self-titled album. That was a very important new wave band as well. One of um, their first singles was on Factory Records. Yes, absolutely. So, and then you also get in uh, further down the list. You'll see uh, a reentry from Pink Floyd with the Wall. Uh, you got Blondie on there with Eat It to the Beat. Uh, and like I said, you still get to see some of those artists that you necessarily wouldn't have seen over in North America, like Sad Cafe and the National Brass Band and uh, Marty Webb. Didn't make it big over here. Definitely not. Or Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds. I. 
never even heard of that album until looking at this chart. And you listened to it, didn't you? I did, and it's very interesting. I think interesting is the only word you could use probably to describe that, just looking at the title. I mean, it w- it is... One thing I, I notice about it right off the bat is it's a great place to find samples. Ah, uh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd have to take a listen f- to, you know, know deep into it what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it, you always seem to get those albums that chime in every so often that you're not sure what they are. And then you realize after what their actual usage was and, uh, that they actually, you know, did have some sort of impact in one way or another. Yeah. Oh, I just noticed Gary Rafferty's on here too. Did you say Gary or Jerry? It's not, it's not, it's not Gary or it's, it's Jerry. I don't know. Really? <laughs> I you worked well, in radio awkward. for how long, man? <laughs> to be fair, I was never a main host. I always just filled in, and that song never came in when I was doing a break, so nobody ever called me out on it. Well, you're getting called out now. <laughs> <laughs> Better late than never. Better to learn now than, you know. See, that's what we're all doing here. We are all learning something new. Especially that it's Jerry Rafferty, not Gary Rafferty. <laughs> Eh, tomato tomato you tried telling that to a jerry i mean i feel like a jerry isn't gonna say much <laughs> well i mean they're probably used to it by now but still i'm just saying if you want to <laughs> call jerry call use a j not a g <laughs> enlighten yourself a little bit more okay <laughs> fine i'll enlighten myself a little bit more i guess also uh one thing i noticed here which is uh one of i'd say more consistent uh on both the uk and the u.s charts uh eric clapton's just one night was in at number three this week uh, in 1980 and you go look over at uh the billboard chart and he was there at number four see eric clapton's entries on the charts they always interest me so much just because when people talk about eric clapton i mostly hear them talk about cream or his unplugged stuff and hardly ever any of the stuff in between. And even like some of the mid 70s stuff would be in there a little bit. You hear that a little bit, too. Yeah. So now I'm starting to think, OK, you know what? Now I need to go back and listen to Eric Clapton. I mean, he's got a yeah. Not only did he have cream, but he also had Derek and the Dominoes, too. That's true. That actually gives me an idea for an episode. I'll just talk about bands that only ever had one album because there are several. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you should probably just do like a one hit wonders theme, too. See, I'm kind of touching on one hit wonders in this episode as well, because, of course, New Wave, they spawned a whole whack of one hit wonders. A lot of them unfairly so, because especially over in in the UK's New Wave scene, a lot of those one hit wonders over here, a lot bigger in the UK. And also in Japan, for some reason, like a lot of one hit wonders, they'll go on to like sell millions of copies over there and just be like legendary. And I I mean, the term one hit wonder is a very loose term to begin with, right? Because it all depends on what your criteria is for one hit wonders. Yeah. So I wonder, what is your specific definition of a one hit wonder? Back in the day, we used to run like one hit wonder theme weekends on the radio station and whatnot. The when I was planning for those, the definition I had of one hit wonder was the artist only had one song in the top 40 on the Billboard Hot 100. OK. And yours? Mine is a little different. 
So it is similar to yours in a way, though. So I am, again, going very North America-centric for it, and I, specifically, like, U.S. criteria. I don't care about Canada's criteria for one-hit wonders at all, because, again, it is very- <laughs> That's why we are at Billboard Hot 100 right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I will take, for an artist to be a one-hit wonder in my eyes, it would have to be one only one song within the top 40 and didn't make any lasting impressions afterwards okay so it's slightly different yeah so no influence on on major artists because there are a lot of one-hit wonders that were very influential yes just going back through my head you can think of a few like uh even one that i well i'll mention this because um i just took a look again at the billboard uh, 200 but number five this week on that chart was melt to melt from lips inc Right. And really, Funky Town is a one-hit wonder, but still left a lasting impression. It did. And actually, I was watching this one YouTube video all about their one big hit. And, of course, did you know that Lip Sync, did you know they are from Minneapolis? I didn't, no. I I couldn't tell you a single fact about Lip Sync other than they had the song Funky Town and it was a one-hit wonder. Yeah, well, they were from Minneapolis. And they did play a big part in Prince wanting to get big just so they wouldn't be the only big band to come out of there. Right. Okay, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. So in a way, they kind of played a part in developing the Minneapolis sound that everyone knows and loves. There, but somehow they're still just a one-hit wonder, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah. you saw a lot of that uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, and then things kind of died away for that a little bit, and the bands who made it big, as soon as you started seeing that breakaway of the charts in the mid-80s, uh, you started to see more bands have more than one hit. And then uh, we touched base on this a little bit last week in Still the Number One, where in the late 90s, you started to see the charts start rolling together again and all of a sudden in the 90s you had all these one-hit wonders again yeah especially towards the late 90s like as soon as post-grunge hit that's when all the one-hit wonders really started exploding yeah and i mean it uh i i I think people kind of saw that coming but at the same time uh you you look back on it now and you're like wow like most of the one hit wonders came out of the 90s that people are, you know, listening to today. Yeah. And it also kind of feels like there's fewer one hit wonders once you get past the year 2000. There are some, but it's like every couple of years instead of like every few months. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're starting to see. I do know you sent a poll to me that was on Twitter uh, last week and it was like who's most likely to have a second hit and who was it there was uh eva max was on there arizona survey uh, yeah there was a few and i like looking at the list you're like any one of those could only have one hit uh in north america uh i know like and i brought up to you that because the majority of people said Ava max was more likely to have a second hit and she does have a second hit in the uk it just, it just hasn't, hasn't made it into us here. no yeah. If you don't mind breaking away to the Billboard 200 at the moment, some there's there's some funny. Uh, you're gonna enjoy this one. Number 20 uh, this week, <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back soundtrack. Very good soundtrack too. One of the best Star Wars movies. And by the way, I think this week it turns 40. That would sound about right. Yeah, I think was that. Uh, it, yeah, it was somewhere around there anyway. 
Uh, also on this, uh, well, number one was uh, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Bands Against the Wind. You know, that I think that's a pretty solid number one. I like that one. There was really only, I mean, there were a few singles that came out of that album, but there was only one big one, and that was the title track, Against the Wind, and it was on side two. Yeah. Uh, on, on that album as well, the other singles were um, You'll Accompany Me, uh, Fire Lake, and uh, they t- had the horizontal bop and her strut as a double release. And looking through some of these albums, some of them, especially in the top 10, have an HL. Like Billy Joel's Glass Houses. I love Billy Joel, but... Not the best Billy Joel album. Not the best Billy Joel album. And again, lip sync, mouth to mouth. Yeah. Uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall was at number three, which if you compare that to the uh, UK chart, they were down at 37. And that was a re-entry. So The Wall's popularity in the UK had already come and gone, and it was still very popular in North America. And it just goes to show how slow things were to go around the world before the Internet, too. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and you're also seeing still on this chart a little bit more of the um, the country crossover going into it. Linda Ronstadt's Mad Love at number nine. Kenny Rogers with Gideon at number 12. And let's see what else we got on here. The Beatles Rarities album came in at 21. Yeah. Number six, Van Halen with Women and Children First. Um, this might be a hot take, but I think that is the most boring David Lee Roth Van Halen album. I mean... You're setting the bar pretty low there. <laughs> what are you, are you saying that Van Hagar is better? Van Hagar. Because you're wrong. <laughs> no. No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. I knew some. <laughs> I knew you would pick up on that. <laughs> uh, also, another soundtrack hitting this uh, chart uh, was at number 28, American Gigolo soundtrack, which also had david lee roth on it yeah you know that's true <laughs> yeah. we are also seeing like some of the remnants of punk in here like the clash london calling at number 34 yeah that's uh that's still sticking in there um and then you know e- even some uh you got even a little bit of canadiana thrown into this chart on the list too i uh, i saw earlier for sure there's heart uh with uh bebe lestrange at uh, 39 um, it wasn't really CanCon, but Pat Benatar is in the heat of the night. If I'm not mistaken, that has hit me with your best shot on it. That song is CanCon uh, at number 45. Triumph with Progressions of Power, which never had a big single, number 48. And uh, Bruce Coburn's Dancing in the Dragon's Jaws, which had Wondering Where the Lines Are on it at number 58. Oh, and Rush, Permanent Waves at number 66. So we can't forget Rush. Can't forget about Rush. Also, speaking of classic Canadian music, Anne Murray, Somebody's Waiting at number 89. Wow, we went uh, way down the chart for that one. (laughs) Hey, got to point out CanCon when I can. (laughs) For sure. Oh, Uh, stop. Stop. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Bad Tim. <laughs> you you do see a little bit more of the the rock leaning into metal coming on further down the list. Judas Priest in there with British Steel at 102. Um that's a lot about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and number, number uh, 164. Dark Side of the Moon. But then again, that song didn't really leave the Billboard 200 until very recently. Like, it was always just there. I mean, it is pretty much one of the... Uh, 
I would say uh, Pink Floyd's biggest album next to The Wall. Definitely. I don't know. I, w- I wish that Pink Floyd's other albums got some love, too, because they, they have way more. Like, Wish You Were Here, uh, their first album, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, psychedelic rock masterpiece. So uh, I mentioned on uh, the UK charts that OMD, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, was there. The other OMD sitting on the Billboard 200, that being the Ozark Mountain Daredevils, that was, that was sitting in the 100s as well. My... Uh, website froze so i'm trying to reload because of course it did it happens good old internet yep using uh what are you using like a pager up there or something it it might as well be we don't have fiber optics until next year yeah <laughs> hey, at least you're getting We're it eventually fancy though. like wainwright <laughs> uh that's funny come on we can't we can't just all have you know fiber optics what are what do you think we are a place with decent providers sorry not sorry wow that uh that cuts deep man that cuts deep it does, it does. <laughs> okay i'm back i'm back yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah that was uh that was at 172 going back to my original point and there's still you know some big names further down the um chart you go or go you got zeppelin in there you got gloria gainer which i guess she really was a one-hit wonder at the end of the day too um oh there was another canadian another couple of canadians further down hearts back in it again with dreamboat annie uh the king bees you remember the king bees never heard of you them. heard of the king bees? you're gonna have to okay. fill me in they have a song the biggest song from the king bees really is my mistake mid 80s or sorry i guess early 80s it was released and um it was very still like late 60s early 70s sounding yeah uh but yeah uh another cancon group right there and uh bg's greatest down at number 200 yeah so yeah disco just barely hanging in there it's like it's like gripping on to the church for all it's worth and and it goes back to what you said a few minutes ago how you know you didn't really see that much um you didn't see much of a change until things started going around the world a little bit quicker and i think we see it when we take a look at this where there is still that disco there's the remnants of country on the billboard 200 as well um you've got the 70s rock thrown in there and then you flip over to the UK where the new wave came earlier and there's a whole bunch of new wave artists in there. Definitely. But looking back up at the top of the charts, Bob Seger over in the US, Boney M in the UK. Which one do you think is still the number one? Out of the two, I would I would pick the Boney M album just simply based on the fact that... Uh, you know, it was a greatest hits album. Yes, uh, it was the first time you really saw a greatest hits album get to the top of the charts, though, for sure. Uh, and there were some big songs that were on it that still hold true to today. If you listen to classic hits radio, you will hear uh, Rasputin and even sometimes Rivers of Babylon and whatnot. And of course, Mary's Boy Child is a staple at Christmas time. Uh, whereas in the U.S., uh, Against the Wind. The only song that you really hear all that often is Against the Wind. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I do agree that of the two number ones, Boney M was the better one. 
but I don't think that album is still the number one. Because remember, we're talking about a chart really? that had Black Sabbath, The Cure, Iron Maiden, Pink Floyd, Michael Jackson all on there. All artists, which I think are by and large a lot better than Boney M. Looking at what people would have been listening to on the radio back in those days, though, like Black Sabbath never really had a number one song. That's true. Uh, uh, never even had a top 40 song on uh, the Hot 100, for that matter. Maybe they had a big song in the UK or whatever, but in the US, no. Yeah, like, you take a look, and it's so, some of what you mentioned there. Like, I see where you're getting at with a few of these, like Michael Jackson's Off the Wall and whatnot, and even Genesis, for that matter. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, <sighs> I guess it's all personal opinion on this one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, we're torn on this week. Still the number one. <laughs> we're both agreeing that the album is good. It's just you don't think that Boney M deserved to be the number one anymore. Boney M, good, but in my eyes, not the, not still the number one. Back on somewhat bland substance. What's going on? Coming up in about ten minutes or so, going to get into another edition of what happened in Florida this week. Of course, that was a staple on my daily radio show. It seems so. Uh, we've brought it over to somewhat bland substance just to chat about the crazy things that have gone on in Florida. This week, there was really only one thing that I noticed happened, so that is coming up in just a little bit here on Somewhat Planned Substance. Lots to get to before then, though. This happened in Toronto. People decided to get on out in full force, it seemed, on Saturday at a place called Trinity Bellwoods Park. Now, if you're not familiar with Toronto like me, it is uh, this big park along Queen Street on the south side and Dundas on the north. It's basically, like, if I did the math correctly, like 42 acres or something like that. I was talking to a friend last night who's from the Toronto area who said that he knew it was popular, he just didn't know it was this popular. There was as many as like 10,000 people who were at the park in downtown Toronto on Saturday afternoon. Many gathered in large groups. They drank alcohol as police and bylaw officers looked on. So there's all these people in this 42-acre park who most definitely... We're not social distancing from each other, like probably less than a meter apart. One of the people who were also in the park was Toronto Mayor John Tory. He visited the park to educate those not following the rules. And then as he was doing that, a photo surfaced on Twitter of him talking to people with his mask down. And he's not standing the six feet away from some people, right? With the mask up, he's standing pretty much right beside somebody and the mask is you know he's got it on his ears and stuff but it's hanging around his chin and not up on his mouth and nose which is not really setting an example if you're going to a park in this instance as the mayor to try to diffuse the situation i guess you could call it you should probably be setting an example should probably be doing what you're saying, practicing what you're preaching, walking the walk and talking the talk at the same time. There's so many analogies you could use here. And 
he wasn't doing any of that. And so if I'm one of those people who is in the park, not practicing social distancing, not wearing a mask, and I have the mayor come up to me, the mayor of Toronto, and say, you have to do this, and he's got his mask down, I'd probably laugh in his face. Apparently, uh, John Tory did say, though, that people are saying it was predictable that there was this crowded park on a predictable, nice, sunny day. I don't know if anybody really expected like 10,000 people to be there. You would think that there would be quite a few people. I don't know if uh, anybody expected that much, but it goes back to what I've said before on episodes of this podcast where things have been kind of unpredictable when it comes to this whole situation that we've been under, uh, both with the pandemic itself and then the economic crash that we had and now the reopening and the easing of restrictions little by little. Everything has been kind of unpredictable, including, I believe, the 10,000 people showing up to this park in downtown Toronto on the same day at the same time, hanging out, just chilling. I get that people wanted the social interaction, but maybe that was a little bit too soon to allow things like that to go forward and do absolutely nothing about it when your police officers are standing right there. I know it's tough to enforce. It would be the same thing as somebody speeding down the deer foot as it gets close to rush hour in Calgary. Be super hard to pull them over and super unsafe for police to do so. So people know that and they'll do it anyway. That being said, I'll believe him where he says that there are, you know, over 1,500 parks in Toronto and the situation that happened at Trinity Bellwoods does not necessarily represent what happened across the rest of the city. You know, there's pictures and stuff that are on social media of other places and people are, you know, properly social distancing themselves and they just wanted to get out and enjoy the sunshine, the warmth, and quite frankly, human interaction will still social distancing, which is what we're supposed to be doing. And they've said that for a number of weeks as it started to become spring and uh, nicer outside and warm weather where you can go out and just wear shorts, go for a walk or whatever. People have been told to social distance themselves, at least from other people wanting to do the same thing. And in some cases, it's hard. Say you're going on a hike in a park that is quite treed. You're going to have to walk by people, but at least you're not necessarily standing there and talking to them for minutes upon minutes at a time, literally right beside them with no mask on. All right, let's move on to some comments that have been showing up more and more frequently on social media. It seems like one person starts an argument and everybody who believes the same thing they do automatically is like, ooh, I'm going to steal that argument. That sounds great. That sounds like something that is going to make me sound smart, make it sound like people are going to listen to me. And let's be honest, rarely is that ever the situation. A few weeks ago on the podcast, I ranted about the people who are constantly blaming the media for causing mass hysteria when it comes to the pandemic that we're under and everything else. And I've actually become accustomed to not unfriending people, because at the end of the day, they're still people that I'm, I know and I'm close to for the most part. 
but the people who are mass blaming the media for this, the unfollow button on Facebook has become quite used over the last few weeks. And now the latest comment that I'm seeing more and more frequently is, wake up sheeple, (laughs) as if that makes you sound smart. It's not a case of sheeple. I'm sure people, like I said earlier on in the podcast, we were talking about the SERP. People didn't ask to get laid off. People didn't want all human interaction to go away. I'm sure there were some introverts who are living their best life right now. But people didn't ask for this to happen. And uh, there are a lot of people who want this to end just as much as the people who are sitting there on social media saying... Wake up, sheeple. Enough. We're all in the same boat with everything. It's not a case of everybody is saying we're all in this together to be cliche, although it has become kind of a cliche saying in this day and age. It's because it's freaking true. We all have to deal with this. We're all going through much of the same thing, whether it's loss of job loss of income if you had to take a pay cut. Maybe it's loss of a loved one because of COVID-19. And yet people are still daft and are still blaming everyone else instead of just following the guidelines and the suggestions that have been issued. And I just don't get it. I understand where people are thinking that some of the freedoms have been taken away. But let's be honest, we still live in a democratic society. If this were to become a permanent thing, it would not fly in Canada. It wouldn't. There would be a public uprising, and it's never going to become the dictatorship that we see in other countries, where if you speak out against the government, you're going to go to jail or be killed or anything like that. We still have our freedom of expression and freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And I get that people are now going to argue saying, well, you're complaining about people blaming the sheeple and the media. That's their free speech. Sure. But you're forgetting that in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, that really protects you only from the government. Doesn't give you an excuse to try to be discriminatory or racist like some people have taken it to be in other situations not necessarily involving the COVID-19 pandemic. That's not what the freedom of expression and freedom of speech actually means. But just enough with the sheeple comments. It doesn't make you sound smart. One person seemed to have started it, and now it's grown into this big thing, and everybody's saying it, and quite frankly, it's annoying, and it's getting you absolutely nowhere by saying it. So I usually try to abide by the whole idea of if it's not going to do me any good why waste my breath i hope i'm not wasting my breath here and being a hypocrite (laughs) all right uh before we wrap this up another edition of what happened this week in florida there was really only one story this week seemed to be quite quiet down in florida i'm sure because it's memorial day weekend down in the states that we're gonna see a few stories come out over the course of next week and The next edition of Somewhat Bland Substance next Monday will probably be filled with stories that happened in Florida over Memorial Day weekend. Well, this woman uh, was arrested in Florida after she tried to kiss strangers at a bar. 
while calling 911 to complain that nobody was social distancing. So cops showed up after her fourth call. She then called a fifth time, even though officers were with her on site. And after she told cops that I'll sit in the parking lot all night, she was arrested for trespassing, disorderly conduct, resisting an officer and misuse of 911. Speaking of hypocrite there, (laughs) Florida woman tried kissing a whole bunch of random strangers in the middle of a pandemic, which probably wouldn't have ended in her favor, and then thought her best course of action was to complain about lack of social distancing. Practice what you preach. That's basically been the whole idea about the second half of this podcast. (laughs) Bees better, Florida. Like, come on. Oh, that's going to make for some interesting stories next week. That's for sure. All right. uh, Thanks for tuning in to Somewhat Bland Substance Podcast. My name's Scott Mitchell. You can follow me on Facebook. Look for Scott Mitchell. Also on basically every other social media at Scott Mitchell FM. You'll be able to find me and you can subscribe to Somewhat Bland Substance on Podbean, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And we will talk to you next week. Stay safe.